Hey everyone, welcome in to another daily editorial here on the KE Report. We are chatting with Joel Conan, co-host of the Benzinga Pre-Market Prep Show, also editor of the Pre-Market Prep website. Now, Joel, let's start off with the broad averages. They were doing fairly well today, but as we're recording this, they're kind of dropping off the table here into negative territory. But overall, we still have seen general strength in the markets. It's a bit more concentrated recently, but that's also in the face of a higher dollar and higher rates throughout this month. The U.S. dollars rebounded about 2.5% so far this month. Again, rates are broadly a little bit higher, but markets right around these all-time highs, especially the S&P and Dow, what do you take away from this environment, Joel? Good afternoon, gentlemen, and thanks for having me. Uh, tale of two markets, right? <laughs> Tech and AI and everything else. I mean, that's what you're seeing uh, in the tech sector. I think the best illustration was a week, a week and a half ago, microchip came out, warned, got absolutely annihilated in the pre-market. And they couldn't stop buying that stock and going back up to an old, almost back to an old time high. So the market's hungry for tech and really nothing else. I mean, the IWM, which is, you know, more sensitive to interest rates, that's pulled back appreciably from its high that was made in December, made a little bit of a rebound last week. But just after you have, you have that kind of move into small caps and then you have the pullback you know, you get back half of the move, well, you want to see it continue. So I think there's still some trepidation about rates, how quickly they're going to be coming down. But it's basically, you know, buying tech and uh, selling everything else. So that's what I'm that's what I'm looking at uh, so far in uh, this Q4 earnings season. Well, Joel, just speaking about tech and Q4 earnings, you noted uh, off mic that there's some big boys, some of the mega cap techs that have their earnings coming in this next week. Maybe break that down and also some uh, responses to the old tech companies. I mean, well, Intel falling flat on his face, but you got to keep in mind, you know, what kind of move Intel had, right? Coming from the low 20s up to 50, that's over a double getting a little bit. I mean, the way I look at some of these stocks, the way I look at Microsoft, the way I look at Apple, going into these earnings reports, these stocks have just had absolutely tremendous runs. So they're going to have to blow it away. And they a lot of times that they do. But I would just be careful on, you know, uh, for some of this big tech, you know, if they come out and they get the pop, you want to make sure that, you know, they continue past the all-time highs, huh? You know, there's always scenarios where, you know, you have the good report, you know, the stocks are up a lot in the pre-market or the after hours, and then they give it back. But very, very, uh, you know, with the price appreciation that you've had a lot of these stocks, you know, in January, man, oh, man, oh, man, they got their, you know, the, the bar, put it this way, the bar is set very high. Yeah, it is. Oh, boy, is it ever. But hey, these markets, they can keep on running. And well, we just see a concentration of capital. Back to the IWM. So the small caps, look, they ended last year on quite a strong note and then pulled back a fair bit, almost 10% through the first half of January, have rebounded, but they've only taken back about half of that level. So is this next move for small caps here, whether it's higher and some money rotates into it or lower is that going to be a key sign for you 
to go a little bit like off the not the rails or the beaten path or whatever, but I just don't think anybody cares about small caps. I think there's very, very low institutional order uh, ownership. Uh, there's very big spreads. It's very difficult to move in and out of these things. So, you know, in, in the interest rate scenario is not there. I, I think like institutional ownership of the small caps is very low. So it's like there's no liquidity. There's no clean distinction that interest rates are going lower. And it's just kind of a self-fulfilling uh, prophecy where, you know, you got to be in the big boys to, you know, to keep up with the market. And with no imminent sign, I know Powell and his pivot, which made absolutely no sense to me, especially with the uh, GDP rating that we got. They're just ignored, and I, I think that there's a, a couple different reasons for that. So if you're looking for the big catch-up trade in that with the IWM, I mean, we are still so far away from all-time highs. I think you're going to need to uh, see a continued period of lower interest rates, and I think interest rates are going to be stable for quite some time. Yeah, Joel, good point on the interest rates and how it affects some of the small caps. Uh, some of them are more sensitive. Now, people do look at the small caps and the IWM as the more speculative side of the of the uh, industry. And so if it's not really rallying and going crazy like it was in the fourth quarter, it could mean things are slowing down. You had pointed out from a technical basis in the S&P that last time you weren't really sure where resistance would be. But now midweek this week, we did see some levels you're watching. Maybe break down where you see resistance levels in the S&P. Yeah, you guys know my simple technical analysis. And, uh, you know, there's a couple different things here. I don't know how many uh, futures aficionados we have out here. So if you're looking at the front month contract as it stands today, uh, we did, you know, we made an actually made a new all time high today. If you look at the rolling front month contract, which incorporates the time value of money, you know, that the high is quite a quite a ways away. So I just go on the information that the market is giving me, the data it gives me on a daily basis. And on Wednesday, we peaked at 33 and a quarter, 49.33 and a quarter. So that's a level. It's not a great level. It's not, you know, I'm not trying to call the top of the market. But then when you rally today off the good numbers and you go just one handle above that, one point above that, if you are so inclined to short the market or you are looking for, you know, like, OK, there's a possible technical formation there. Boom, you have it with the double top of the S&Ps. Um, after I see it, I look at the daily high and low and, you know, use that, get information for that. And uh, I keep an eye on, on the closing price and that all time closing price yesterday was 23 and a quarter. And that's to me. That's an important number, more important number than the potential double top. That's where the highest, all the institutions and all the traders that are, you know, swing and long-term traders. That's the best part, uh, possible mark that they had in the S&Ps. So, you know, that's what I'm looking at. I mean, you still can feel the underneath demand. They tried to bust the market a few days ago, and I, I just will lead into that. And I'll let you ask another question. I thought the Bears missed a golden opportunity yesterday. I mean, you had to even know if it's considered one of the magnificent seven anymore. But, you know, you tell me uh, Tesla's going to be down 10%. I'll tell you, the market's going to be down a couple hundred points. That wasn't the case. So the Bulls made a good stand today, 
and the Bears are kind of fighting a lot, fighting back a little bit today. So Friday is always important, uh, you know, price action. I like to see we did make a new high for the week, the propensity of the market to make new highs or lows for the week. You have seen that earlier in the session. So traders, investors, whatever you are out there, you know, you have identifiable levels. Look for your stocks, see where the closing high was and see if you got any kind of technical formation, double top or triple top that will give you a key to uh, further downside price action. So, Joel, to your point about bulls versus bears have you noticed so far in this earnings season and we're still relatively early on in it that the bears have had a little bit more power when we have seen lower guidance or earnings misses compared to last earnings season i mean it depends what you know i mean in the tech sector not so much in the other sectors that don't have ai i mean well archer daniel midland i mean they they had some some problems with you know accounting and their ceo leaving that's important uh look what look what they did to dupont yesterday i mean dupont's not supposed to move the thing goes from 74 to 62 and that even wasn't much of a of a haircut that you got on the earnings so I think you know the you know the bears are exerting their influence in the non-tech related stocks, not so much buying the dip. Now, if that turns, and you do get some poor reports out of the big guns, then yeah, that could change the the, the complexion of the market. But uh, right now, tech can almost do no wrong. And if you had, I don't have an AI, uh, well, you better you better beat and raise, or you're going to get tanned. Well, just one more point on the bulls versus the bears here in the markets. The other force that's been more active lately, Joel, has been the analyst coverage and how the analysts are moving the markets. So as we enter a really big week this next week in earnings, what do you see the role of the analyst being? Because people are now finally paying attention. And my uh, co-host on the pre-market prep show, we, we coined this phrase several years ago, and it's called ACP, and it's called Analyst Chase Price, right? And so when stocks exceed their targets, or their expectations, then they have to they have to upgrade it, or they have to raise their price target. That was so evident in AMD here in the right sector. So sometimes that's an indication on the upside when they're chasing price that you may get a turn on the market. Conversely, when stocks are in the gutter and you start getting a bunch of downgrades in price reductions. Now, you have to be careful because on a day-to-day basis, analysts do exert influence, but you want to see what happens a day or two or three days after. And with something like AMD, well, you know, a little bit of a red candle yesterday after just a tremendous run. But yeah, uh, sometimes those analysts out there, sometimes they're hopping in a little bit late. Joel, next week, look, we will have some big earnings reports, but uh, a lot of eyes are coming up to the Fed here in terms of what the Fed is going to do in terms of guidance, simply because, look, last time we had Powell up there, he did put on the table rate cuts, and he also put on the table rate cuts because of the discrepancy between where inflation was and also the economy generally going down in the fact that um, the Fed almost wanted it to, right? So is this playing into the Fed's narrative and what are you expecting? 
I don't want to say I don't believe Paul and I don't. I mean, everyone, it was a foregone conclusion that we were getting a March cut, right? Maybe even when we talked last week and six cuts and uh, uh, in 2024 alone, I'm just not buying that. I think, you know, if anything, uh, stability of interest rates is more important to the market than lower interest rates. And we had a meteoric rise to combat inflation. So far, the numbers have been benign and we haven't beat the economy. Uh, it hasn't, you know, uh, hurt the economy in a meaningful way. But I think if, you know, if you're, if you're making your, if your investment thesis is based on five, six interest rate cuts in, in 2024, then I think you have a flawed thesis. Joel, just one more market to throw at you, uh, and it's been pretty volatile the last couple of months, has been the cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin. A lot of excitement around the 11 new ETFs before they happened and then as they happened. And then uh, also tying into that Fed and interest rate uh, thesis, you know, the, the cryptos move with that. How are you looking at them technically? I mean, they had the big haircut. They actually made the recent high of the move on the day that the ETFs uh, were introduced. Um, and then you found some support at the 40K area just over the last four sessions. And it's having a, a real good uh, day today. I actually found support under 40K. So I'll be looking at this move uh, that you had. Let me get my data window up here and keep it pretty simple on the technical analysis. Uh, let's call it 50K to, let's call it uh, 50 to 39, right? 11 point move, you know, 44 and a half, 45 area. If this was just a real, you know, just a pullback over, you know, excess liquidity, then you should, you know, hold that low at 39,000, get half of the move back, pause and, and, and make a base. Um, just for overall, for the expectations for Bitcoin uh, moving forward, I you know, you know, when people talk it just being like a limited supply, I don't. I mean, I I, I don't really buy that theory. I mean, if you give me a piece of pizza, right, I, I can cut it up in as, as many pieces as I want, right, and you just keep splitting it and splitting it and splitting it, and you know, the fractions that they trade Bitcoin in. If it's just a holder, if you're just a holder, that's one thing. But I think it's just so far from being a you know an everyday transactional currency because of the volatility. All right, Joe, thanks for your insights. We are back to a more concentrated market, and that I know has some people worried about it. But hey, we'll see if that money rotates back into other sectors. And next week, such a big week with the Fed and also some big tech earnings, something that we will definitely follow up on. Joel, thanks again for your time, man. I hope you have a great weekend. Okay. All right. Thank you, gentlemen.